Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to episode number 10 of the Basketball Card Podcast. I am your host, the 27 guy. I have to admit, I'm starting this episode in a bummed out mood. I just missed out on a big auction, one that I was watching for the last seven days. It was the Eminence Dirk Nowitzki autograph patch, number one of one, with the star, uh, the Mavs sort of star logo as the patch. So that would have had a really great place right in my case that I've been putting together. So I'm kind of bummed out about that. It went for a lot more than I thought it would go for. It went for over $3,800. My, my bid was nowhere near that, but, um, but yeah, kind of, kind of frustrated that that went so high. Um, I moved a couple of cards from my eminence case. One of the really big ones, you'll hear about that. Uh, probably pretty soon if you keep watching the blowout boards, but uh, have replaced them with other really nice cards. Um, but I was really counting on being able to get that Dirk, and so really disappointed about that. But anyway, um, the one big one that I moved, I um, moved to a collector that really needed the card, really wanted the card, and somebody who I consider a close friend of mine in the hobby. So... Uh, I've done that a couple of times lately where I've moved something that I really didn't want to, uh, but felt like it was the right thing to do. Felt like it went to a home that was probably a better home than, than mine, than me. So it's gone and you'll see that soon. On the show today, uh, the first thing I'd like to do actually is um, story time. I'd like to do a story time once a month. And today's story time, I've been thinking about doing for, for a while. Uh, I've been asked probably, I don't know, five or six times over the course of the last couple of months since we started doing the podcast, why I'm the 27 guy, where that came from. And I shared a story um, on the blog about my Michael Jordan rookie card that graded out as a BGS 1.5. And that's part of the reason that I'm the 27 guy. But the main reason um, is, well, a lot of my sort of significant life events have happened on the 27th, um, the 27th day of the month. But um, so that, that number became my favorite number growing up. And then when I was working at House of Cards in Salt Lake City, I had a, an experience that, uh, that sort of solidified the 27, or 27 being my, my favorite number. So it, the year was 1999 and, or maybe 2000, 1999 or 2000, might've been 2000. Anyway, and uh, we were opening boxes of Legends Basketball, which was my favorite product of the year. I always liked the history of the game and always liked sort of the, the Upper Deck Legends product. The year before uh, was the first time that they had done one autograph per box and boxes were expensive. I think boxes were 90, or no, 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 I think they were 100 to $120 a piece. And back then, that was a, a large amount of money for a box of cards. Um, and so the case came in, and when the case came in, there were, I think there were 12 boxes in, in the case. And the serial numbers were all in, in order. They were sequential. And uh, it was like number 20 to number 31 were the last two digits 
of each of the numbers on the on the NBA logo hologram that came on each box. And my boss knew that I wanted to open a box, and he had picked a few really good boxes for people recently, and so he picked me, my box, and he, of course, picked number 23, which, as you know, is Jordan's number, and Jordan was the big card in that product. Back then, there was one jersey card per case and one autograph per box, and so you weren't even... The autograph was a big thing, but the, but the jersey was what everybody was really looking for, and so we so I started opening my my packs. On the top of the box was a Michael Jordan um, floor card, the final floor jumble card, and mine was a two color, was part of the three point line, and it was one of the only ones, one of those that ever came out of the the shop and out of the two or three cases that we opened. So. I felt pretty good about that. In fact, I made most of my money on the bo- back on the box from just that Jordan card. I also was able to put together most of a complete set, and I got an autograph of Paul Arizon, which I traded actually only about five, five or six years ago when we were looking to buy our house. The next customer that walked in is still is a good, a good friend of mine till today named Barry. And Barry um, walked in and said, pick me a box. And my boss, Jeff, picked him box number 27, my lucky number, right? And Barry started to open the box. And we were all just, there was a lot of us there. It was Bidboard Saturday, and so there were probably 25 people or more there in the card shop. And Barry was opening packs, and we were all just kind of looking around. We weren't even really watching the packs as he was opening. We were just having a good time. And all of a sudden, Barry stopped and looked around and put his card that was facing up on on the glass countertop and it was a Michael Jordan jersey autograph number to 23 that he sold uh, within the next two weeks for over seven thousand dollars that could have been mine (laughs) Um, it was a great pull and one of the one of the best pulls I think that I ever saw in working in, in the in the card shop I think it might have been the most expensive one. After working there for six or seven years, I think that was the biggest card that I ever saw pulled. And I couldn't have been happier for Barry, but uh, needless to say, I shouldn't have gone away from the 27. I should have should have trusted my gut. And so that is really where the 27 thing really was born. I learned then never to go away from 27, always to hold on to it. And so anyway, that's where the 27 guy comes from. I had a question on my Beckett submission. I got uh, I got a, a submission back, a package back in the mail early last week. It was uh, seven or eight jazz cards that I got graded, and all of them did pretty well. I think my lowest grade, I had two nines, a bunch of nine fives, and then I actually got a 10 on a Gordon Hayward National Treasures rookie uh, that was his jersey number, number 20 of 99 which for me was, is a really big card, uh, is Gordon Hayward's my favorite player and the Jazz are my team. So um, that, was a, that, was a big, that was a big card. But all the grades were pretty decent. And so somebody um, messaged me via blowout and just said, hey, notice that you did pretty well on your grades and that you, you have done well in the past. Can you give any hints? And so I thought what I would do today um, before I... Um, I thought one of the things that we could go through today is just sort of what I do when I prep my cards for grading. Um, 
am not an expert on it by any means, but I think it's, I think hopefully it's valuable. So I'd say the first thing that you have to do is at the end of the day, if the card is not, is not gradable, then obviously you shouldn't send it in. So you should filter your cards pretty, pretty well. I have plenty of cards that would grade well that I don't send in as well because at the end of the day, grading is costs a lot of money. And so you need to be really sure that it's going to be worth your time, worth your money, worth locking the card up for a month or however long it's going to be between when you send it out and when you get it back. Um, and if it's a PC card that you just plan on keeping graded, that's great if you're willing to make that investment. Um, you know, I think it costs as much as... 30 or 40 dollars depending on how long i usually do mine either 10 or 20 days which i think is 12 or 13 bucks a card and but you need to pay for shipping uh on the way back and insurance there and on the way back and so it gets pretty costly i think even if you do a large submission if you're doing mostly high-end cards you're still going to end up spending 25 or 30 dollars a card after you know insuring it and those types of things so, and an autograph, if, if it has an autograph on it, that's an extra $2 as well. So my main point is, there's plenty of cards out there that are gradable that you shouldn't even send in. Unless they're just a, a sort of a collection card of yours. So the first thing that I do is I get the card in hand, and I look at first the centering, second the corners and the edges, those are the easy ones. And then lastly, and this is the one that I feel like gets most people, is the surface. Um, I really take the time on the surface. I didn't used to, but if you take the time to get kind of to put it in the right sort of light and get a glare on every part of the card, especially the more matte finished cards like the flawless or national treasures cards, you'll find some, some flaws that you wouldn't if you didn't get the right shine on it. So you could get the card in the right light, get it to reflect right back at you, and check every every millimeter of the surface. Do that to the edge, do that to the corners, put it underneath a magnifying glass if you don't have great eyes. And if you do that, I think you're gonna find that, uh, that most of the cards that you would even call mint aren't mint. There's a lot of cards out there that just have, have issues. Um, and again, if it's not worth your time and money to send it in, then don't because you're you're just going to lock your card up for some time and waste your money. So that's the first thing that I do. The next thing that I do that I think is, I don't know if this is something that a lot of people do, but I found that it's helpful, is how you package your cards seems to be seems to be very important as well. And there have been a lot of stories out there about cards getting chipped, especially in the card savers, the flimsy card saver uh, that, that are actually... Um, that's what Beckett. That's what Beckett suggests that you use are the flimsy card savers. In my experience, those ha those aren't the best. Um, they're they slide out easily, uh, so you have to use tape. They they just don't do a great job, and with most of today's cards being a lot thicker, it does, just doesn't feel like it's a very good option. So what I use is a top loader that's a little bit too large. Uh, that's easy to slide that's easy to slide the card in and then this is the thing that I think that I do that's probably different than what most people do is if the card's a little bit thicker I'll take a graded uh, team bag and I'll put the card very uh, carefully I'll put the card in sideways into the graded team bag and then wrap the the team bag around the long ways and I think it ends up going around one and a half times and that really secures the card because um, 
it's not going to fall out of a sleeve that way. We've all seen kind of card, cards fall out of sleeves. That's not good. Obviously, this way it, it doesn't fall out. Then I slide that. Sometimes it may even catch just a little bit of air in it. I try not to. I try to squeeze the air out. Um, and then um, and then take that, put that into a top loader, and then take another team bag and put that around the top loader. Then, because I'm going to send more than one at a time, I take the, the several cards together and put them again or with one more sort of graded team bag around it. And that I found to be the best way to protect your card on the way there. And my, I feel like my grading, my numbers have gone up since I've started doing those things. So those are, so that's kind of a, a little bit longer answer than maybe um, some of you cared to hear. But for um, that person who asked, that's kind of what I do. So I hope, hopefully that, uh, hopefully those hints help you a little bit. Um, now to the the meat of the episode. Kawhi Leonard. What about Kawhi Leonard? Uh, I, the other day, probably, no, probably two weeks ago, I got on, I, I was reading something on ESPN, and I thought, you know, I know Kawhi Leonard's having a great season. Really, how great of a season is he having, though? And so I went and I looked at his statistics, and I was floored by how great of a season Kawhi Leonard's having. We all know that he is um, the best defender in the league. He's going to go win, um, he's going to go win. Defensive Player of the Year. I know there's other good, good defensive players. You know, there's Draymond Green, um, and, and he, he will definitely get some votes too. But the Spurs are having a historically great defensive year. I went to the Spurs game, the last Spurs-Jazz game here in Salt Lake, and I've watched Gordon Hayward this year really play well against a lot of guys. I think, I think he went you know toe-to-toe with Paul George. He's played well against Durant. He's played well against some of the other better sort of small forwards in the league. And uh, he didn't fare well against Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard beat the crap out of Gordon Hayward. And Gordon couldn't do anything. He couldn't go where he wanted to go. He couldn't do what he wanted to do. And he couldn't stop Kawhi. And so I looked. I, I, when I looked up his statistics, I knew he was a good defender. But when I looked him up and I saw that he's averaging over 21 a game, he was second, at least at that time, was second in the league at three in three-point shooting at 47% um, on all three-pointers. He was shooting over 50% from the field, 52, and 88 from the line. He's almost shooting a 50-40-90. And I didn't, I've never thought of Kawhi Leonard being that guy. And um, I, I kind of feel bad thinking I'm a, a basketball sort of connoisseur, somebody who, who knows these things. And I, I, know, how, I know Kawhi Leonard's good. But it, it occurred to me, Kawhi Leonard is having a historically great season. Like, he's not just having a pretty good season. Kawhi Leonard is having an amazing season. He's going to be Defensive Player of the Year. He's going to go 50-40-90 almost. Like, that hasn't been done, like, ever. The only person that I can think of that did something probably sort of similar to that is Jordan. Obviously, Jordan scored a ton more points. Um, I don't think he ever shot. 48% 48% from three. I don't know if Jordan ever shot 40% from three. I kind of don't think he did. Obviously, a different era. Maybe he could have now. He probably could have now, but um, but definitely a different game. Anyway, I don't think anybody's ever done what Kawhi Leonard's doing right now. And in the process of all of that, um, and they lost tonight. They actually lost to the Bobcats. 
so they won't get to 70 wins, but they're going to win in the high in the mid to high 60s. They're they're the only team in my opinion that can can contend with Golden State barring an injury to either Draymond Green or Steph Curry. And when they went toe to toe with the Warriors last weekend, there were some parts to that game that made me very nervous for the Golden State Warriors. Um, now, there's lots of people on both sides of this argument, and, and, and I get that. But I'm a big believer that Greg Popovich is a really smart guy. And when I hear people say that he threw everything he could at the Warriors, I don't think they know who Greg Popovich is and what he's about. I think he didn't throw everything at the Warriors. And I think that that seven-game series that we're going to see in the Western Conference Finals is going to be awesome. And I don't know who's going to win, but it's a lot closer than I think a lot of people are thinking. And if it was me, I'd flip a coin because I really don't know who's going to win that. I, I, don't, I have no idea who to give the edge to. Part of me just wants to say Golden State, but there's this part of me that also thinks that they're going to figure out a way – to get Kawhi Leonard on Steph Curry. And if they can keep Kawhi Leonard on Steph Curry, um, and if he's able to be effective the way that I think he's capable of being effective, it's going to be really hard. I think the other thing that people don't understand is people look at the, the games right now, and they look at box scores, and they look at you know what guys are doing night in and night out, and they see, well... The Spurs barely got beaten by the Warriors, or the Warriors Warriors barely got beaten by the Spurs, whatever, not a big deal. In the previous game, the Warriors smashed them. But what I don't think people understand is that in a a seven-game series, all of the little details can be planned for perfectly. And so the Spurs will even look at things like how to run their offense to prevent Golden State from getting into their offense the best defense that the Spurs will have will be their offense against the Warriors. And if they can create a way to um, to prevent Golden State from getting into their frenetic open three-pointers, sort of broken play play almost, um, I think Golden State could be in a lot of trouble. I don't know that. It's just, you know, again, I, I've, I bought one big money Kawhi Leonard card. I'm not telling all of you to go do that. I don't know if he'll. I don't. I don't know. Maybe if they win the championship, it still won't even go up. I have no idea. He's very unassuming. He's very humble. He's not flashy. He doesn't have the same game as a Steph Curry does. And if they were on pace to win seventy something games, if they were going to win seventy three or seventy four games, nobody would care still because Kawhi Leonard is who is who he is, and he's not Steph Curry. He doesn't have that flash. He doesn't have the. He doesn't chew on his mouth guard. He doesn't do all those things that Steph Curry does, and so I don't know what will happen there. But I'm. I would just strongly recommend if you if you're looking at these two guys right now, you have to do an analysis, and you do an analysis the same way you would do an analysis with an investment. You look at where Steph Curry's prices are right now, and you ask yourself, where do you think they can go if they win the whole thing? Now, I'm a believer that they can't actually go that much higher even if they do win the whole thing, even if they do win 73. I think a lot of that is already baked into the values of the cards currently. And I think a lot of people are on that bandwagon. 
And the only way that stuff goes up in value is if the people who are on the bandwagon start being willing to pay more or other people jump on the bandwagon. And I don't know how many more people there are. And so I see Steph Curry with with a fairly limited upside. I see, and I'm saying this as a guy who's holding several thousand dollars of his cards, okay? I hold a lot more Steph Curry right now than I do of Kawhi Leonard, but I'm just telling you what I think. So you see a limited upside. What if they lose? What if they lose? I see a larger downside. So then what you have to do is you have to find sort of an expected return, what you would guess your return will be. So you have to do an allocation. You say, let's just say, for the sake of argument, I think that the Golden State Warriors are 50% likely to win the championship and win 73 games. And if they do that, I think Steph Curry's stuff can go up another 20%. I don't, I don't actually think that. I think it's a number lower than that. But let's just say that it was 20%. Then I think there's a 50% chance of them not winning. And if they don't win, I think that the cards will go down 50%. Or that's probably too much. Let's say 40%. Then you start figuring out what the average is there and what you think, it, what, what, the, what the average sort of gain or loss is going to be for, for Steph Curry. Then you do the same thing for Kawhi Leonard. And you say, maybe I think there's a 40% chance or a 30% chance of, of the Spurs winning it. If they win, what do I think will happen with, with Kawhi Leonard's cards? Well, in this case, we have a Kawhi Leonard. Let's just take his best rookie, for example, uh, or one of his best rookies. Uh, his immaculate number to 99 there's a guy on eBay right now who has a lot of three up for $4,000. And if you look back at the completed listings, I think they've been selling for right around $700 a piece. Maybe 750 to 800 for his number to 99 patch autograph. Granted, he also has a National Treasures that's to 199 And like Anthony Davis, a lot of those aren't great patches, but some of them are amazing. So it just depends on which patch that you get. Um, at the same time, there's also patch fakers and some of those things that go on with, with, with the new cards. So you have to be careful um, valuing those. But anyway, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here. Let's look at the number to 99 immaculate. It's worth, let's say it's worth $775, 800 $800, just for rounding purposes. What can that go to? You know, if he goes and he has a dominating finals and shuts down Steph Curry... And he goes and he, he, he wins the championship. What happens to that $800? I think it's, it's pretty clear that doesn't have a cap of 25 or 30% gain. That's a card that can double and triple. That's a card that can have a huge sort of... And I, by the way, I don't, I don't own the Immaculate Kawhi Leonard. I, I don't. I'm not lying. I don't have that card. I don't have a National Treasures. The only Kawhi Leonard I have is that flawless gold autograph I posted on Blowout a couple like a week ago. Um, and I immediately listed it on eBay just in case there were any immediate takers. There haven't been, and so I'll probably hold the card until the finals because I'm doing this sort of valuation. So if, if there's a 40% chance that they go and they win it, I think there's a 40% chance that his stuff doubles in that time. And I think there's a 60% chance, more likely um, than 40%, obviously. I think there's a 60% chance that they don't win it, and that the card can that those cards will drop 25 to 30%, maybe 20 to 25%. But when you start doing that math, 
and you think of something doubling or something potentially tripling on the 40%, that possible increase has a whole lot more weight than that potential 20% down. And so, again, he's having a historic season, defensively dominant, and offensively, when you look at what he's really doing, he's having a, he's having a great, great season. So what about Kawhi Leonard? I, I, I mean, you, you can already guess what I'm thinking, but I, I just, I think that's where smarter money is. Does that mean that they're going to win the championship? No. Does it mean that I would bet on them winning a championship? No. But I think that smarter, more likely good money is there right now. If you're willing to, to go out and spend a little bit and, and take some time to find the right, the right, uh, things to buy. Um, I think if you if you're willing to do that and you if you're able to do that you can you have a chance of making a lot. You don't know if they'll win it. Could definitely go down. Full disclosure, been wrong a whole bunch, so I could definitely be wrong here. But that's kind of how I'm looking at it right now. Um, I don't I don't know if I've got anything else for today. I think that was the last thing that, that I wanted to give you. So anyway, uh, again, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, go hit up your pod center app on your phone type in the basketball card not plural singular basketball card podcast and you'll find uh you'll find the the podcast there please subscribe to it uh, if you have any other questions please hit me up on blowout or send me a message uh, or tweet me at the 27 guy really appreciate those of you guys who have contacted me thus far and until next time happy collecting